Welcome to Behind the Mic, exploring the media world in the 21st century. I'm James Marriott. I've been meeting people right across the industry to see exactly what they do, how things have changed, and what they think the future might have in store. Season two of the show is focusing on the subject of PR, public relations. It's a word we all know and use, but what does it really mean? How has the role of PR changed and what impact does it really have in today's current social media-obsessed world? We'll speak to a variety of PR professionals from a wide range of backgrounds to learn about their career path and how they've seen the industry develop. Today, I'm going behind the mic with Jamie Veach of Jamie Veach Consulting. Well, Jamie, hello. Hello, James. So, first question from me, just because kind of roles in PR seem to sort of differ quite a bit. So, kind of explain what it is that you do. If I had to put it in a nutshell, effective communication for business owners and social entrepreneurs. That's very nicely summed up. Well, I've kind of come to that after trying to, you know, put it as succinctly as possible. But, you know, it could be getting them into the press. And I know you've got lots of questions about that, but it could be writing their annual report or communicating with their internal stakeholders or staff or their investors. Or it could be writing a report about their impact, but a report that people will read or or, bid, or bidding for a, a tender. A lot of it is about PR, but those PR skills um, come in really useful in terms of other communication roles that the people I work with want me to help them with. PR are a couple of letters that we throw around quite a lot. They're you know very accepted as a as a kind of a phrase within the media, but um, kind of what they mean probably differs from person to person. So, what do you define as being PR? Helping someone generate the media coverage that they deserve, which is appropriate to them, in front of an audience which is relevant to them and to build and generate relationships with journalists, with editorial staff, and with their readers or viewers or listeners. Again, nicely nicely summed up. Um, what's your kind of background then? I've been consulting for about nine, ten years now, and that's great fun. I absolutely love it. I really, really enjoy it because it takes me from London to Scotland to Malaysia to China to Sheffield to Rotherham to all over. And I absolutely love it in working with interesting people, doing interesting things. So for the last nine, ten years, I've been consulting. Before that, I ran a magazine publishing company, which I um, launched, founded with two colleagues and ran for 12 years. And uh, we published a couple of magazines about community regeneration, economic development and social enterprise. We ran conferences and so on. And before that, I was working accidentally for the Mirror Group and uh, ended up running a division there with uh, a bunch of magazines for the Mirror Group and, uh, and, and left there in 1999 to start the magazine publishing business, which I ran. A very key word in there, which was accidentally. I sense <laughs> I, there's a story here. I knew you'd pick up on that, James. The uh, the journalist in you would uh, would not resist that one. It was really, I just went to London after university, worked for a small publishing company, got a job there. It was a great place in Islington. And that business was bought first by the company that's owned by the that owned the Birmingham Post so we became part of regional independent media and then they were bought by the Mirror Group so we became part of Mirror Group and so I found myself working for the Mirror Group for um, for a couple of years there and um, ended up 
you know, looking after a, a division. So it, I say accidentally simply because, you know, I'd got a job with a small company that became part of the group. Fair enough. I was reminiscing with a a couple of friends of late about kind of memories of um, kind of career tuition and things like that at at school and and kind of, you know, when when I was younger, just how bad it sort of was. Uh, But I always knew kind of that media was what I wanted to to do. Can you remember the point that you thought, yes, this is the direction that I want to go in? I used to devour the newspapers in the school library my mum used to take me to the library in town every week to um, to go and choose a book to borrow from the library, uh, which was fantastic. But I used to just read the newspapers cover to cover at home and listen to the radio all the time at home. And I went to university to do a psychology degree, which I enjoyed. But I got involved with student acting as well and did loads of that every single term and I what I did realize was that I didn't want to become a psychologist even though I found subject really interesting I didn't want to become a psychologist so I suppose if there was a recent point it was when at the end of running the magazine publishing company in 2010 I thought shall I get a job or shall I work for myself and I thought There are so many people who are doing fantastic things, who do deserve great media coverage, but they don't necessarily know how to do it. So in 2010, when it was kind of right, I'm going to go into consultancy or freelance work. What shall I do? And I thought, actually, I can help people tell their stories. And I I knew that that could help them in their businesses. But I can remember being just sort of wanting to read everything I can get my hands on from when I was a kid. But I hadn't kind of realised that that was going to end up my life. See, those days of kind of, you know, when you're younger and kind of scouring the newspapers and consuming the news in that way to to where we are now. Obviously, the world's changed uh, a lot and and media um, and the press is is obviously a part of um, society that's, you know, particularly undergone several sort of revolutions in that time. How have you seen things change, I guess, from both sides of the fence that you've been on? So from being on the front line to now kind of, you know, working on the other side of, of, of things? Yes, good question. I mean, so much changed so fast. Social media, of course, and trust in the media and trust in social media. I mean, that's the biggest thing, along with data and um, the use of people's data without knowing it by everyone, of course. We've heard about some data use scandals, but data is a commodity now, um, and data is really, really valuable. In terms of what that means for listeners and what that means for anyone running a business or running a social enterprise there's so much more choice in the media isn't there i mean more choice on television Uh, we used to have um what four channels when you and i were kids growing up um and now you know you can stream box sets etc choice in terms of the radio um which is fascinating because people still love and trust local radio particularly you know it scores really really highly in terms of trust when Ofcom do their media attitudes and use survey of of adults people really really trust local radio and absolutely love it and there's quite a lot of evidence that the rise in podcasts isn't necessarily displacing it it's 
um, complementary. Um, but podcasts are fascinating as well. You know, that ability to um, enjoy a fantastic podcast with a presenter that you love and the topic that you love on demand. And again, binge listen if you want to and, and, and so on. Printed media, of course, massive decline in terms of circulations, but it's easy to paint that as a one-way picture in terms of thinking it's only a negative story. And yet, in the UK, we've got some amazing printed media which are doing really, really well. The Economist is doing really well in terms of subscriptions. The FT is doing really well in terms of subscriber income. Um, But media like Positive News, for example, which is owned by its readers, but run on fantastic journalistic principles. It's about sharing positive things that are happening in society, but it's not fluffy and soft. It's a really great publication run, as I said, on journalistic principles. A a story has to be good to get in. And it's owned by its readers through um, through a, a crowdfunding campaign. We've had the rise of um, um, community media, of course. Um, Sheffield Live, where I volunteer and do a radio show, um, is a wonderful example of a community media station, which I love because it gives people a route into media. Loads of youngsters who didn't have any connections have gone on to get a job in the BBC as a result of volunteering at Sheffield Live and um, doing a radio show there and then getting a job at BBC or Hallam FM or a production company. I suppose what, what what's changed is choice. Um, that enables people to go super niche. Um, and as I mentioned at the start, trust and data, that's changed as well. And I mean, we could say more about that too. Okay, so um, I'm a business owner. Let's say I'm a, a new business owner and I've got a concept that I think is is really good. So as we've kind of touched on there, um, I've got options like social media. I, I can, with my own social media, I can boost uh, uh, on Facebook. I could do a, um, a promoted tweet on Twitter. Um, do I really need to use PR in this day and age? Do I need you? Good question. And... I wouldn't necessarily say the answer is yes. I'd come and find out who the people are that you want to work with and to influence and to build a relationship with. And just because other people in your industry do something, and just because you as a business owner have seen other people do something, doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. I mean, you know, loads of people jump onto social media, jump onto Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc., because they see other people do it and they think that it's free. Their time isn't free, though, is it? You know, they put hours and hours into it, even if they don't boost any posts. And it can look really rubbish if they've got an empty social media presence and they're directing people away from their website onto social media. I mean... Do they need me? Well, I'd sit down with them and say, well, who are you trying to reach? Who are you trying to influence? What's the profile of the person that you're trying to um, look at? Have you done that sort of MI5 level customer profiling exercise in terms of building that avatar, if you like, that picture of your ideal person and, and what makes them tick and and the ideal message to, to reach them? Do you know what that is? Before we even go down what the best messages and then only when you've looked at the person they're trying to reach the messages that might resonate do you then start even thinking about 
the channel. I mean, I tend to help people from all the way from the start with that if they want help with that. But then we'd say, okay, well, you know, are these people that you're trying to influence that you want to, to buy your service or buy your product or whatever? Are they listening to the BBC? Are they listening to podcasts? Are they reading The Guardian? Or are they reading The Sheffield Star, the FT or whatever? Then we start to establish whether PR will work for them. And, uh, and, and it's not in my interests to say to you, yeah, book me to do some PR if it isn't the right thing for you to do anyway because it's not going to have an impact on your business and um, you're not then going to become a raving fan and go, Jamie, I want to do more work with you or recommend me to other people. So it's certainly not in my interest to recommend PR if it isn't the right thing. Makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, we've talked about how things have, have changed and I know it's it's very difficult to kind of predict the future, but um, if, if you kind of try and think five, ten years down the line, how can you sort of see things shaping up? Good question. Robo-journalism. The robots are here and they're stealing our jobs. <laughs> um, no, actually, I mean that's a really interesting one in terms of robo journalism because a uh, a couple of um, a couple of uh, publications are already experimenting with robots in the newsroom, as I as I call them. Wow! So um, I think it's uh, the Washington Post that's now owned by Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon. Um, they have. Um, been using artificial intelligence in journalism and um, to create automated news and um, lots of lots of uh, other reporters believe that automated journalism is going to become more common and um, aggregating bots are being used by by media outlets as well Um, and google made a grant of uh, several hundred thousand euros to the press association a couple of years ago to fund um, a project about called reporters and data and robots radar brilliant um and that's about exploring ways to help journalism survive i mean you can be quite cynical about that if you want to um but the aim of that project was to provide 30,000 data-driven stories every month for local media outlets um, now, what I think that gives an opportunity, though, to PR um, agencies and to savvy business owners, because if you can give commentary on data and statistics, um, then you might be giving journalists who are in receipt of AI powered journalism because AI powered journalism might pick up on change so it might pick up on numbers on research and so on. So if you are in a position to pitch the media and say, um, I'm an expert in X, Y, or Z. I can offer commentary on on that. Then you can give them the um, the context that they need to um, turn a story into something unique. You know, if they're getting something that lots of other media outlets are getting in in terms of a, a release, then perhaps you can offer something unique to a publication. As we kind of see uh, resources in media generally become um, you know more and more limited. Um, how how does that kind of affect you and what what you do? Does that does that make your job easier in in terms of being able to you know supply something that's really well written to a, a media outlet? It does have to be really well written. It does have to be toasty up their street. The cynical view is, oh yeah, you know there are less journalists on local papers, national papers, and so on, and so they need PR, and it's easy to get a story in. No, it isn't easy to get a story in. Journalists are professionals. They care, absolutely care about the quality of what you send them. Um, So you've got to to give them 
a story which is genuinely news, or if you're not pitching a news story, you've got to give them something that fits their publication. Um, so does it make it easier? If you're reliable, if you're good at what you do, if you're able to say no to a client when they've got a story and you know it doesn't cut the mustard, but you can perhaps say, actually, there's this one that you haven't necessarily thought about. That might work. But you do have to be able to do that. So does it make your job easier? Kind of not in a cynical way. You've, you've got to really, really give the media what they need you've got you know if you if you don't read or listen to or watch the media that you're pitching that you're trying to get into and understand what they're looking for and care about it and you know buy a local newspaper and buy a national newspaper and so on and and listen to the radio then you know it's going to be much much harder for you to do that and actually with so much more media you could say well maybe you need to specialize um, I've I've generally spent most of my sort of working career on on what I call the front line, so working for the newspapers, the radio stations. So it's really easy for me to to kind of say this, but I've always had this kind of mantra that everyone's got a story to tell. It's just a matter of finding it. Um, is that something that you subscribe to? Uh, and I guess what I'm really asking you here is, have you been to a company and even kind of you know agreed to start working with someone and just thought, how am I going to get something out of this? I think I've had lots of instances. I've worked with people and what they thought was the big news story wasn't, but actually they did have loads of other things. Um, and so like you, I might say everyone's got a story, but they don't necessarily know, all know what it is. I'm careful these days in terms of working with people that share my values. That I could go for a pint with them or a coffee with them and I believe in what they do. And I mean, I've always tried to be really careful about working with people where I believe in what they do. Um, and so I don't think I've had an instance where I've turned up working with someone and I've thought, um, there's absolutely nothing here because I've kind of vetted them as much as they vetted me before agreeing to work together. Uh, what have been your kind of personal favorite sort of success stories what what things that you've been involved in do you look back on with you know that that real fondness and that smile on your face uh last year michael sheen the hollywood actor decided he wanted to do something about high cost credit and about the payday lenders and not just payday lenders but people who doorstep lenders who break people's legs if they don't make their repayments or for example and the problems of high cost credit in the the UK and debt then can lead to horrific other um, results for people Um, and he worked with my client Responsible Finance which is an organisation I've worked with for a couple of years um, helping them out for a couple of days a month in terms of press and PR and so on. And we had him speaking at a conference and he agreed to do a podcast, he agreed to do a, a speech and a video and so on. And of course, the media wanted to get all over it because it was Michael Sheen and so on. Um, and that was great. And he was very generous with his time. But the, the, the bit about it that really, really made my sort of heart leap was the impact on those responsible finance providers that are 
um, changing people's lives by working with individuals or by working with businesses and social enterprises and giving them access to affordable credit that they pay back um, when they couldn't get it from anyone else. And that's create, allowing businesses to be created. It's allowing social enterprises to create jobs and it's helping individuals get out of hideous um, problems. And working with responsible finance and helping them tell the stories and get loads and loads of um, case studies and examples of real businesses, real social enterprises and real um, real uh, people that have been helped by responsible finance providers um, and how it's changed their lives. And doing that in local media as well as national media all over the country and, and seeing those stories sort of get commented on by people that was really really great to see is there anything that you've done that you look back on and think oh i wish i'd not bothered with that oh yes (laughs) (laughs) that was a very definite yes (laughs) where where to start (laughs) um i mean you know if you if you don't make um uh if you don't make mistakes in in life then you're probably not learning as much as you could um and whether I look back and go, I really wish I hadn't done that, or whether I look back and go, I wouldn't do that again. But I'm glad I, I did, and I've learned a lot from it. Um, I mean, I've got plenty of those. <laughs> um, PR is obviously something that a lot of people now, um, it's kind of a recognised career path in its in its own right. You know, I kind of remember the days where PR was something that you'd do after you've been in journalism for a few years and yep. there was nowhere really left to go and PR would be the natural kind of move that mm. people would make. But you know, it's something that people are kind of doing through university and things like that now. Indeed. Um, that, that obviously means that in time there's going to be, you know, massive competition for for jobs and for, for contracts and, and things like that. Um, what advice would you give to anyone who's kind of at the beginning of their journey now and, and kind of, you know, would like in, in years to come to be doing what, what, what you're doing, but obviously it's going to face a lot of competition along, along the way. What, what advice would you give to someone? I think that's a really interesting one in terms of competition because I'm a big believer in collaboration and collaborating, I think, does people the world of good, actually. So I'd first say, think about collaborating with other people, perhaps other people who are at a similar stage in their journey and how you can give each other tips and advice. It's not that, you know, if there are two of you and you're both, say, graduates or both at university and you're thinking about a career, it's not that you're competing for one job. It's actually put your heads together and see how you can both support each other. So collaboration. Uh, And actually, you might help each other dig out really, really interesting stories or angles for um, potential clients. Um, So collaborate. Secondly, if you can, get a mentor of some description. Um, I mean, this applies in all aspects of business anyway. But uh, and consistent. I I do a radio show on Sheffield Live, as I mentioned, about business and social enterprise. Consistent, consistently business owners, business leaders, social entrepreneurs um, who are doing well whatever success means to them, but that are doing well. They tell me about the value of having a mentor or having coaching of some description. And, you know, if you're a young person in setting out on your career, then find some people who you think you admire and, you know, ask them if if they they can give you any tips or advice. So don't be afraid to ask. So first, collaborate. Secondly, get, get, get a mentor, ask for advice. Thirdly, read as much as you can. I mean, it's still a medium that 
uses words. And it's all too easy to just fall into watching uh, content and listening to content. And I'd say, you know, if you love um, watching content and listening to content, do that too. Listen to the radio, listen to um, good journalists and um, listen to journalists where you don't necessarily agree with their particular angle, but try and find out you know, why they're asking people, if it's a hard news journalist, um, why they're taking a particular angle, listen to a diverse range of media, read a diverse range of media. So consume media avidly, um, if that's the industry you want to be in. And then fourthly, um, in terms of getting client work, I think that it's never too early to start trying to sell your services um, and work with people with whom you you respect their values. So don't be desperate and just take anyone's money just to try and get some experience because that'll come back and bite you afterwards for, for in all sorts of reasons. You might regret you've done it or whatever. Only work with people where you share values. But, you know, get yourself out there and... Um, start taking on on work and see if you enjoy it great tips um, and totally agree about kind of reading and just consuming things and um, you know the the power and the beauty of words is that that will never change really it'll never go away whatever happens words and you know using them effectively will always be an art form totally absolutely and read novels as well Oh, oh God, read novels. Really, just, uh, you know, read for fun as well as read read news and, and features and so on. But read for fun and listen to things for fun. Listen to great podcasts about beer and football, for example, James. <laughs> <laughs> I can put you in the direction of a, a couple if you wish. Good stuff. Um, I also find... Um, Something as simple as the menu in like an upmarket restaurant. Fascinating how they use words to really bring the items on that menu to life. And you, 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 know, you like, you can be thinking, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I'm vegetarian. I don't even eat chicken, but I want that. It, yes, it's, it's such good use of words. Oh, it really is, absolutely. And and in, and that takes us actually into the sort of overlap with copywriting um, and the. Um, the way that words can really bring something to life. They can paint that picture, that emotional picture. I mean, I, and, and I, was at a, I was at a conference where there were a load of investors in the room and they were talking about um, um, spreadsheets and stories. And they say, you know, we're investors. We, you know, we like spreadsheets. Um, we look at business plans and then we, um, and then we invest. If, if, you know, if it looks like... Um, uh, a, a good business deal but actually really we like stories stories um stories are really the things that make us invest the spreadsheets then just help us to rationalize our decision <laughs> and i loved that brilliant jamie well thank you very much it's been an absolute pleasure um chatting to you and uh, thank you for your time well james thanks ever so much for uh, for asking me to be on the podcast I, I'm, I'm really thrilled it was a pleasure to chat to Jamie. Please do check out the podcast of his radio show. Just search Business Live. Now, check out the rest of this season of Behind the Mic for some more perspectives on the world of PR and the role it plays in today's media. Hit the subscribe button to get new episodes as they're released. If you'd like to suggest a guest or get in contact with me for any reason, head to j.media. That's j-a-e.media and speak to you next time.